This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast um, with, um, if it's Monday, so um, you are, well, you know what, after this week, I it, this is the type of week where I feel like, you know, if, if you made it through this week in one piece, um, you deserve a, a, a gold star. Um, and, and he did indeed make it through in one piece. Uh, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, John. <laughs> Are you as exhausted as me? I am. Yeah. I didn't sleep very much this week. No. Um, granted, I don't have a child and one on the way. So, um, my excuses may be a little bit different than yours, but it was, uh, I, I I think it can speak for pretty much everyone who resides both in this country and outside too. It was uh, certainly a stressful time period. And, um, yeah, it's just, (laughs) no, there's no, it's, I, I don't, uh, I personally speaking for myself and, and I've been through, you know, when my wife gave birth, I've been through some other stressful stressful moments um you know but i don't think i've ever been quite as mentally like the combination of mental emotional and physical exhaustion um i don't think has ever been higher than uh it, it has been for this week and and look we're this is a basketball podcast we're gonna we're gonna get to basketball especially since i think if you're someone who um you know, is not happy with the result. I'm sure you don't want to hear us talk about this, although I can't imagine I have <laughs> too many listeners who fall into that category, although I shouldn't generalize. You never know. Um, and if you're someone who's 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 happy, I, I think you're, you may be feeling like us and you're just kind of you're just drained and um, maybe you've reached your consumption limit on people, people talking about it. But, you know, just really briefly, I'll, I'll say my piece and then I'll let Jeremy say his and then we'll move on. Um, I. Uh, I so, I so badly want to sit here and be ecstatic and, uh, and, and thrilled and just over the moon and, and full of hope. And, um, and I, I haven't really like, I, I, when I have those thoughts, I'll be like, well, think about if, if, if this went the other way and how would you feel? And then momentarily I'm like, okay, I really need to, to, appreciate this and appreciate what happened because I, and I I don't need to get into the reasons, but I think they're obvious, but 
you know, um, then you go and scroll on Twitter for like five minutes. Um, or, you know, in some, in some of our cases, uh, you might speak to a family member, extended family member, and you are reminded that, um, and as if the, as if the, um, 70 million votes didn't, didn't do it. You're reminded that this country is still in, um, in, in not, not the best of shape in terms of where people's opinions lie. And that's, that's rough. And, um, I wish I had a little bit more hope today. Um, but I, I, all I, I did, the only thing I want to say is this, and this is why I even wanted to bring it up on the show is, I, I think, you know, the, the people tweeting out like, oh, go find a go find, go find a Trump supporter and give them a hug. No, um, that's unfair to ask of anyone. Um, and, you know, especially if the stuff hurts you, like I know it has hurt some of you. I know it has hurt Jeremy. I know it has hurt me. Um, that said, um, I think we are in a spot where. If you are feeling good about this result, um, maybe the best thing to do is I don't want to say keep that to yourself, but don't don't poke the bear. Um, and maybe um, at some point, probably not today, probably not tomorrow, and it's probably not going to happen to many people. But maybe there is that one out of 10 people who over the course of the next several weeks, months, years turns around and be like, you know what, um, maybe I should. I, I can I can give a different way of thinking a chance. And uh, the last thing I'll say before I turn it over to you, Jeremy, is just I, I want to echo for anybody who didn't see Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live last night. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend going to watch. Did you see it, by the way, Jeremy, or, or did you not? I did. Yeah. OK. So, you, you know, probably know where I'm going with this. Um, you know, there are people out there who who feel his words where there are people out there, you know, he's talking about white people that have feel like they have a target on their back and everything sucks, you know, and then, but the difference is that they will just tear each other apart about it. And we, we do, <laughs> we, we do, we tear each other apart about it. Whereas, you know, the, the, the punchline, and it really wasn't much of a punchline because it was dead true. Although I guess all, all punchlines are true. Um, is that, you know, he kind of is just happy for what he has and, and he, he moves on his way. Um, I think, if you're listening to this and, and the, the candidate that you wanted to win won, um, it's more of an opportunity to, uh, than ever to just be happy and move on your merry way. And maybe by not um, poking that bear, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some chance that the people who are on the other side and these are not, you know, some of them obviously are reprehensible human beings, but they are, these are not all bad people. Um, maybe they will turn around one day and, uh, take that, you know, look at the, look in the mirror and look at that target on them and, and say like, you know what, maybe I need to just give it a rest and, um, and, and look in the mirror and see what I can do and open my mind and heart and, um, and ears. So that's the only thing I wanted to say. Um, and I hope that doesn't come off the wrong way to anybody. I hope nobody thinks that I am be taking it too easy on people who have just been uh, very mean um, in a lot of instances over the last four years and uh, continue to have very um, hateful thoughts and uh, desires and 
that's very real. Um, but we are all human beings and I somehow still have hope for, for us as a people, as a country. And, um, and that's it. I'm sorry if that rambled on a little bit too long. I, my apologies. Uh, but Jeremy, I will, I will turn the floor over to you. Oh, thanks, John. That was very well said. Thanks. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I went to Disney World. And one of the things that I came away with was I was so impressed by the Hall of Presidents to the point where when I got home, my parents bought me um, some of those placemats that have – you know, you can get them on the street and they've oh, got yeah. laminated. They've got all of the faces and names and years uh, of the presidents. And before dinner, I would sit down and I would memorize them and learn about them. And it fostered a real love of American politics and um, the presidency and I guess later American sociology and just learning about overall culture. And... I love talking about it, but I've found that over the last few years, I've been unable to to say how much I've enjoyed it because I felt so disheartened by what I've been seeing. And, you know, Twitter, as you were saying, it's such a, I guess all social media, it's really a, a kind of a grotesque vacuum in so many ways where it I see things that just get ignited and they're sh- they're so brief that people can't elaborate but then you look at a platform like Facebook and it's almost too long and you can put misinformation and lies for anyone and it may not be curtailed as it should be um and you know this not to get too personal um but there is a member of my family who has very differing views than I do very much so. Um, but more so to the point where I have almost been surprised as to how those views came about. Um, and a lot of it revolves around media. A lot of it revolves around bias. They say you can't fix stupid. Um, I don't know how you fix smart. And I understand that from my perspective, it's, it may seem, um, wrong because who am I to determine what's smart and what's stupid? But I was curious. I asked certain uh, opinions about views, expecting to know the answer, and their responses confirmed it. You know, um, for example, about Black Lives Matter. I asked, How many black people have you talked about regarding your opinions? How many have you listened to? How many friends do you have who are black, let alone any person of color? And the questions were flat out ignored, which meant I got my answer as a, as a whole. And as the conversation grew, it escalated past a point that I wanted it to. And, and truthfully, maybe what they read, uh, it might have been inappropriate. Um, I tried to be as respectful as possible, but maybe they didn't see it that way. And then they sent something back and it was condescending and it just keeps going. And the results of this election, um, I mean, presidential, because let's face it, down ballot, there are a lot of really exciting 
um, progressive platforms, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, we we've seen um, the war on drugs. It's we're, we're trying to get it as eradicated as possible, which is great. We're seeing in Arizona, they're taxing the wealthy to such a degree where it's going into public schools and and funding. That's fantastic. We're seeing Mississippi try to eradicate Jim Crow laws. We're we're seeing fantastic achievements all across the country, but we're not talking about it nearly as much because it's not as polarizing. And this whole week, I've actually been thinking about, uh, I mean, this election, of course, but also <laughs> the election of 1876, which we all remember <laughs> very fondly, of course. Um, I can't wait to hear where this is going. So for those who may not know, it involved um, who eventually became 19th president, Rutherford B. Hayes, and he lost the popular vote, but no one won the electoral college. And in South Carolina, there was some, because you call it tomfoolery, um, I'd also call it voter suppression and inaccuracy, where uh, South Carolina reported 101% of the uh, vote, which obviously cannot happen. And they uh, showed pictures of Abraham Lincoln for the Democratic candidate. So for those who were illiterate, they went with what they saw, not necessarily the names as a whole. Um, the election, it was a mess. And eventually what happened was the uh, Democrats, of course, this was when the parties were um, switched platforms. The Democrats said, uh, we're willing to give you the presidency, but um, in return, you're going to end Reconstruction and you're going to do a few other things for us. And the Republicans said, you know what? We'll take it. And so we never really got the chance to fully heal as a nation. And that was really in my mind because I don't know how we come back from this. I, I, yes, I thought what Dave Chappelle said was fantastic in terms of how he doesn't hate people. He hates that feeling of being a target. Yeah. But again, I don't, I don't know how I can go to that family member and say, based on what you're doing, I, I, I can't hate you. I can't hate you for hating and I can't vindicate you for views that might be antiquated. So that's something that I personally will grapple with. Um, maybe others are feeling that way too. I, again, there has to be a level of accountability. Saturday was a it was a very joyous day for me. A lot of great things happened. Uh, it was a beautiful day out. I got to go outside. Of course, the biggest thing of all was I had an indoor bike that came. So that was fantastic. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, of course, but it, it was a sense of relief. And I was, it, it was a quiet relief though. Yeah. But I felt it. And we had some Prosecco. We enjoyed it. The work starts. It never really stopped, especially with coronavirus. Um, that shouldn't take the back seat. But yeah. um, I guess as we – because really this – and I said this to John beforehand. This podcast, talking about the Knicks, is as much of a distraction for me, and I'm sure it is for John, as it is for you listening. So um, that's really all I'm going to say on the matter. I, I – you know, this is all obviously very important, and I'm glad we can – go back to focusing on basketball but um can I just there are wounds, something you said there real wounds quick? that just yeah absolutely they're just wounds that need to heal and i don't i don't know how we're going to get to the bottom of it i don't know how they're going to heal but we'll we'll do it together i i don't know either i hope I, I hope we could do it together and i just want to acknowledge uh that's 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 real it, it, like pretending like you could just go and like talk to that person. I, I had, I had, a, I don't know when you had this conversation. I had this conversation, the conversation with my family member uh, who has very different views than I do um, yesterday on Saturday. And um, like, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't hatred in my heart towards this person. 
like actual genuine like I, I i i wish i could shoot this person into the moon and um never see them again and um i would not feel bad about it and that's i guess that's why that's where that's why i kind of landed on well maybe the best we could do is just kind of step away and like uh there's a, there's a, a phrase that uh teachers use um when we kind of laugh about it at this point where it's a, just do not engage you know, when a kid's acting up in the classroom and just acting a fool, you just uh, do not engage. Um, I think there needs to it's weird to say this, but I th- I think th- there actually needs to be less engagement for a period of time. Um, and then I don't know what happens, but I don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I had answers. I, and I feel so ugh, I feel so inadequate that I don't. Um, but we are here. Um, we live to, we live to see another day. Right. Um, and, uh, let's, let's talk about our shitty basketball team. Shall we? Let's do it. Well, let's start with this. Our shitty basketball team is going to play, um, basketball games. Um, and it, it's, well, it's not official official. Um, cause I guess, you know, in the 11th hour or something, it could always happen, but um, it's November 8th. So that means it was 30, 30 days, half September, April, June. And November. So yeah, 22 plus 22, oh, 44 days from now. Right. Um, we're going to get our first game, um, which means 22 days from now, training camps are going to open. And if you're doing the math, um, less than 10 days from when you're listening to this, we're going to get a draft and probably free agency a few days after that. So this is all official, um, all well, as official as it could get without being official. Uh, 72 games, $109 million salary cap. Um, of, of note to Jeremy and myself, God knows this is probably interests us more than anybody else. We're going to get a relatively flat cap, um, until the long and the short of it is until the NBA can pay back. It's the money it's not making to itself. Is that a good way to say it? Yeah, uh, I'd say that's probably fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, 2% raises on the cap. So, I mean, you know, long and the short of it is like, It'll be 109 this year, 111 point something the year after that, 113 point something the year after that. And then maybe maybe after two more years, it, it they make up the difference. I have not sat and attempted to do the math over how long this will take. Maybe you have, Jeremy. I have, if you did, I you're- thought I thought it was until the CBA expires. Oh, is that it? OK, maybe. Uh, yes. But also um, it's at minimum two percent, which means that so if it could they, be higher. Yeah. Yes. But again, if you're a team, you're probably. Uh, forecasting based on more of a worst case scenario. Um, yeah. But yeah, go on. Yeah, no, that, and um, I think that, I mean, uh, the other stuff we've already talked about, um, you're 25% less travel, how that manifests itself in, will there be six games per divisional team or, or um, seven, eight? We don't, we don't really know yet. Um, we'll see. Um, and uh, there's going to be the play in tournament. So, it sounds like there's it sounds like they're still deciding about if there's going to be any rules, like if we have a situation like the Mavs were in last year where they were, you know, a bazillion games up on the eighth seed. Would they still be required to play in the play in tournament as a 17 seven seed? I, did you see any clarity on that? I I, I have not if, if it's been out there. I thought it was just where they finish. So you're basically if you don't finish top six. Then so it doesn't matter how like if you're a seven seed and you are whatever fifty and twenty two when it shuts down and the eighth seed is like forty and thirty two you're still you're stuck in the play in that was my sense just because the reason why they altered it was because of the gaps and because they wanted to make it more competitive but I think moving forward um, the real advantage is 
securing a top six finish. Oh, and yeah, if you're below that, sure. then if you're seventh or eighth, you only have to win two games or you only have to win one game. Um, and if you're ninth or tenth, you have to win two. I actually like that because it, you know, it. The, let's face it. The NBA regular season is cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I think it'll create some really interesting um, stuff next year. Probably more the Western Conference in the East, although I don't know. Wouldn't shock me if Indiana gave someone a run for their money. Um, but yeah, so that's basically it. Um, I, if I miss anything, fill, fill us in Jeremy, but what what are your, what are your initial thoughts? It's, I'm going to be fascinated by how the Knicks go about this because, uh, for the, for those of you at home, the way that it was planned originally was this upcoming year was going to be $115 million for the salary cap. And then the following year was actually going to be 125. Yeah. So now we're talking about instead of $125 million, I mean, we're looking at like 112, 113. That's a huge difference. And if you are a team like the Knicks that has excess uh, cap space, that's great. But it also got me thinking a little bit more on maybe now is the time to start locking in your players. I mean, you know, before my thought was, We'll try to get Frank Nilakina on a cheap deal because his value could go up, but I don't think it'll necessarily explode. Um, but getting him to something like eight million a year, and then as he's going to be his, you know, age like what twenty two through twenty five seasons, that's not a bad contract to have, and you can also move it if need be. With Mitch, it was always about the salary cap. Uh, his one point six million or so cap hold, yeah. his cheap salary. But the thing is that. And I was looking at the free agent market for the next two years. And 2021 is especially bleak. So really, if you're not finding talent this year that can also carry into the following year, then your ability to increase your roster drops quite a bit. And what's more is that right now, if you extended Mitchell Robinson, yes, you are cutting maybe – 10, 12, however many more million dollars than what his cap hold would have been. But you're then competing with other teams that have cap space. Whereas if you decide to give him a nicer contract as a thank you for staying, you maybe don't run into the issue of getting um, not so much outbid because you have matching rights, but the point where his salary gets raised even higher than what you would pay him this offseason. So – it actually sets up a more fascinating scenario for me in terms of how you play out the the long game for these guys. So um, I don't know, I'm, I'm curious to what you think, but I'm, I'm more comfortable now with paying Mitchell Robinson based on the landscape of what's going on, based on the fact that if you do need to trade him as a player, you can use his salary in some sort of deal, uh, whether it's filler or as the, the grand prize, whatever it may be. Um, it's just an easier asset to move if it came to that. And also you can potentially have him um, for cheaper than you might get on the open market when half the league has cap space in the 2021 offseason. Well, one point of clarification, you're, I think when you said you're, the 2021 free agent class is not going to be good, you're, you're basically assuming the Knicks are not going to be in it for the top level guys? Well, again, I'm just uh, – it's, it's like, well, who are the top level guys? You know, Kawhi, I, at- I don't see him going anywhere. Um, I, I think that there's a good chance that Giannis, maybe either he stays for a year and then signs I, I don't see Supermax Giannis or as a Knicks 
I don't, right. I just don't see, nobody sees that happening. Right. Um, so, yeah. but again, it's, it's thinking like, well, who are you necessarily going after? Because in my mind, it has been, you take this season and you just, you try to make your worst players a little bit better, or you know, I should say your, your young core, you try to uh, draw out their strengths and mitigate their weaknesses by bringing in talent that can help them. Yes. As but then for the next for year, <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I'm not expecting much this year and that's fine. But then the next year, I would really hope that they try to make that jump. And now that there's a play-in tournament, the ability to get to even the 10th seed would be fantastic. Because then you're looking at a team that's maybe they're not in the playoffs, but they're banging on the door. You can tell that they've taken that step. And some of it will come from just the young players naturally maturing and getting better and having better development. But you also need that talent that's more veteran-like. And I don't know who you could add in 2021. I mean, you know, maybe it's a Gordon Hayward type, but I don't think you can get that type of player for a one-year deal. Um, I don't know who it would be that you'd be able to to make that happen, to help um, accelerate that leap a little bit. You know, I just want to... So I wrote about this on, on Friday in my newsletter, and I, uh, I want to echo just one brief thing, because, you know, Ian... And Woj did the the putback last week. And if for anybody who missed it, Ian Bagley came on and said he spoke to a star player who's not that far from free agency who told him, like, look, I'm not going to be the first the first one to come to the Knicks. And I think we've heard, you know, Woj said the same thing. No star player is going to come to the Knicks while they're in this shape. Like, no, nobody, nobody's nobody that good is coming when they're in this when they're in the shape that they're in. Um, which is why they need to play this season like as if they're a small market team and, and do the things that, that you just said and that we've been talking about for, for months on end. Um, but I do think the, the, the other part of it was that I, I think they are looking to put themselves in a position because I think they know that, that a trade for someone big is going to have to come first. Now, that doesn't necessarily really have to do um with the what just happened in terms of the NBA agreeing on this, you know, these financial parameters, I'm not really sure that one thing has anything to do with the other. Um, but I do think, for what it's worth, that their ability to sneak into the playoffs as a 10 seed can only help um, because it makes the situation that much more appealing. Like, oh, OK, well, you know, it's the East is bad. And and at least if we get in a play in tournament, I don't know, every little bit counts. Um, Regarding the Robinson thing, I think I've said for a while now. I think if if they could sign him at uh, to an extension this offseason, they should take they should do that and, and run. Um, because again, I, I think you know there were uh, I forget if it was on the low post or maybe it was mentioned in an article about Jared Allen. Somebody hypothesized that he would be looking for something in the Clint Capella range. So essentially, you know, uh, fifth. Uh, sorry, not fifteen million dollars a year. Uh, eighteen million dollars a year. Um, average. Uh, average. Yes, average. eighteen million dollars a year. Average. So Mitch's first year, if it, or I guess Jared Allen in this case, it would be around maybe fourteen. 15, and then it would, yeah, it would gradually go up. You know, Mitchell Robinson um, can sign for, I believe, the maximum is is an average of twelve and a half million dollars a year, which goes up a little bit. I think it goes up to what fifteen if you include a signing bonus, which they could give him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, I, I think I, maybe this is the Pollyanna Nick fan, um, shout out to, uh, Alan Seppenwall, uh, in me speaking, I, you know, I firmly believe that Mitchell Robinson is a far superior player 
or at least what he will be is a far superior player to like Jared Allen or Clint Capella. Um, yeah, there's a floor there, but whatever. I don't really care. Um, sometimes at some point as an organization, you need to take the risk. And I think this is a guy worth taking the risk on. That's me. Anyone who disagrees with that is, you know, fine. I, I I'm not going to blame you. Um, but I think we're both on the same page with that. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's just going to be, it really is going to be fascinating to me because it's still, 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 still nobody has done any firm, concrete reporting on how much, if at all, opposing teams are going to be looking to shed the contracts of decent players just because they are making maybe a little bit more than, than the team would like to pay them. And that's still like, if we could talk about whatever about this offseason, next offseason trades that they could make. And we're going to get into some of that in a little bit. But like I still firmly believe that there are going to be teams that are trying to unload money. I just don't see any way around that, given everything that's that's happening right now. And that's the, that to me, that's the biggest story of, that remains the biggest story of all of this and how the Knicks could potentially take advantage of that. Yeah. And just again, the it's compressed your margin of error now because before if you were talking about you know 115 125 maybe teams are a little bit less reluctant to giving something up because they know that they'll they have to spend so it's not that bad um obviously this is a very different situation but again it's like this is the type of situation why i don't see a reason to go get an al horford or an andrew wiggins well let's Okay, let's have this conversation now because I think it's the I think it's the most interesting part of the offseason. Let's play this out. Schwinn has mentioned this. People have written about it. It's obvious at this point. Teams, you don't you don't. No one is paying the price to just outright salary dump these people, right? Um, like even a, a Hartford, your teams are going to engage in trades where they're taking on some, you know, less, you know, take my crap and we'll take your crap. But I, the, the difference that I think the lesson cap is going to create or the situation that I think it's going to create is where, okay, fine. One team is going to be okay taking the crap. The other team is going to be like, not, not with these financial parameters. We're not taking that crap. We need to find somewhere else to dump this crap. And I think whereas before this financial situation transpired, the Knicks were probably not even going to be able to take advantage of their cap space to to take in bad salary. Now, I think that's a real I just think it's it's going to be a possibility. Um, and depending on the contract and depending on the player, more importantly, depending on the player, um, I, I think it, it's it's something that. It absolutely needs to be considered just because, again, I come back to, well, okay, what are you getting versus what would you be getting if you kept your cap space liquid and you went out and you tried to sign players this year or next year? And that's where I, I guess I'm struggling with with your. So you you do not think that they should be looking knocking on these doors at all, right? Well, no, it's not that. Again, just to reiterate from last com- last week's conversation. If, if the right opportunity presents itself, I'm very much on board. I'm just skeptical that it will be the case. And I wanted to talk about contracts that were $10 million and up because I think there's a very big difference between trying to get a James Johnson in a salary dump and trying to get 
uh, Mike Scott or Jabari Parker or whatever it might be. And But the thing that those contracts all have in common is they're expiring. Again, right now is Nick's team versus what they could be in 2022 is very different. Even next year, you know, you again, I, I see next year uh, as in 2021-22 as more of the leap year where you take that next step because this year it's like, well, we're trying to build a team, but we just have a really bad conference and it's very competitive and we have young talent and all of that is fine. And we have a new coach and a new front office. And if there's a year to lose, if there's a year to be creative, um, especially it's this year. So I don't really have a problem with it. It's more just about the opportunity. What is even out there? What teams are willing to give up? Because, you know, we, we talked about Alfaro Camino, but if the Magic aren't willing to give up, say, you know, some sort of protected first round pick, then what are we really doing it for? Why, why, if you're the Knicks, that's kind of what you should be asking yourself. What could we use that nine, ten million dollars for otherwise? And so that's kind of what the thinking is. It's fine to take on these salary dumps. It just has to be sweet enough where you feel the need to do it. And even then, yes, you can trade picks, you can trade up. It's an asset. It's great. Don't get me wrong. But that asset has to also turn into something because eventually these picks become for players. Sure. And so if you don't hit on that player, then it's kind of a – the last two years of, say, like Aminu, what was it really for? So that's kind of the thinking that I have in terms of can you add positive value and try to trade it like Marcus Morris or are you necessarily going down the path of, of you know, bloated, bad contracts that expire? I don't have an issue with the next one to two years. It's after that where I'm a bit more skeptical because after that, you're looking at R.J. Barrett. Assuming he progresses no, I, enough where he's in line for well, a bigger contract. That'd be a wonderful and problem to have. Of course, it absolutely would be. Um, and these things will shake themselves out, but you don't want to be the one holding the hot potato as everyone, you know, wipes themselves clean. It's fine. And, but not if you're the one holding the potato. You, here's the thing. And I always come back to this. The NBA has shown us time and again, if you want to get rid of the potato, there's a way to get rid of the potato. If there's something out there that is that is juicy enough, that is good enough Right. For you to be like, oh, wow, we need to just clear all this room right now. OK, fine. Shitbag team. Take our two future, you know, first one protected or whatever. Like you do that when like here's this is my this is my rationale ultimately for why I and I, I I'm sorry to make it about Harford, but I think Harford is the is the best opportunity. A, because I see him as kind of a quasi version of um of Chris Paul, what Chris Paul was a year ago when everybody looked at Chris Paul, I, we did, I did it. You did it. We all did it. And we were like, ha, three years, 120 or hundred, whatever, $30 million. Yeah. Fuck off. Um, you know, I don't care what you're giving up to, to, to take him on. And that was that mentality because there was a thing where it's like, wait, hold on. We're coming off of chasing Durant and Kyrie. And now we're, 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 ta- we're taking on this, you know, maybe the worst contract in the league. Whereas once Kyrie and, and KD walked into Brooklyn, regardless of what your personal feelings are of whether they should have signed KD after that injury, I'm not even getting into that. But like you, you immediately had to pivot as a franchise 180 degrees in the opposite direction and be like, oh, wow, we have nothing and we need to start getting something and we could get this player and get stuff with him. 
let's do that. They didn't do that. They instead tried to like convince James Dolan that, oh no, we actually had a good off season. And, and now here we are. I think Harford is in that vein. Obviously he plays a very, he plays a, a center a you already have a center and b it's not nearly as important in the game today as as what chris paul does as a point guard who could also shoot um but in terms of like where they are as a franchise and what harford could bring i think if you could get something decent to take him on as the third team in a deal because i'm convinced that maury's gonna do something i don't know what it is and I think I personally, I think if, if I'm the Knicks, I, I want to try to push myself into that conversation because here's the here's the other part of it. Worst case scenario, right? Absolute worst case scenario. You take on Harford, you get and you you draft whoever you draft, you get good enough that you could trade for a young-ish star player and bring him on, and then you're sitting there next summer and Kawhi Leonard or well, I, Kawhi is the guy that I personally would think would be most likely to do this, but I guess supposedly somebody else could, is looking at you and be like, man, that situation all of a sudden, you know, that's not terrible. Oh, shit. They don't have any cap space because they went and traded for Harford. Well, guess what? At that point, you give up whatever you need to give up to get rid of Harford. And it's like, the thing, you know, on one hand, you can be like, well, you know, you wouldn't have had to do that if you had taken on Harford. But you know what? Maybe... Horford taking him on and the assets that he brings with him helps you get to that point. That's that is my thinking in a nutshell. Right. I understand that. But again, the fact that and you talked about this as well, that, that he's not a creator that, you know, no, it, he's really good. He's not a bad basketball player. That he doesn't so have to be, but, right. I understand that. But also, if he can't play with Joel Embiid, then he's not going to be able to play with Mitchell Robinson. Uh, he's not going to have him be emphasized as a, as, you know, a better player. A little different, sense. though. Is it? Because really, I mean, now you're starting players out of position, which we saw last year, which did not go over great. Yeah, but one guy's an all NBA level player and the other guy is still we haven't seen him start more than 25 games in a season. Um, And and again, I, I know I just finished saying how good I think Mitchell Robinson is. I also think. He's probably a 30 like this season, at least he's probably let's be happy if he plays 30 minutes a game. Al Horford at this point. 30 minute a game player. So you add those two up, that's 60 minutes. That means they're sharing the floor for 12 minutes a game. I think we could like that. I could see that. And the other part of this, which I should have said up front, if this gets Julius Randle out of here, like I, I, again, I think it's, you know, I I don't say it's a no brainer because it depends on what you get, but I think it's, that's, I think there's a difference between saying you couldn't play with Embiid. How's he going to play with Mitch? I, I, I disagree. I respectfully. That's fine. Is, I love no, disagree. But, but again, like with Al Horford, he's 34 years old. I know this. I understand what you're saying in terms of, well, maybe getting Horford brings you to that spot where you can then get to the point where if you have to dump him, uh, it's basically a net zero. And he was there for the whole process. But again, I mean, if you are Philadelphia, you would want to use that money for another talent. You would, you wouldn't want to, pay to dump his contract and then trade for something because you need his money in order to match to get another star. I'm so I'm saying a three-team deal. Work. I'm not saying yes, a straight I, salary. I understand dump. that too. Yeah. Right. But then again, from the Knicks perspective, it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it's, it's like trying to find a piece just to um, worry about the here and now. And then you get screwed over. And like you're saying, it's it's an obstruction in some way down the line, whereas you just don't have to deal with that obstruction whatsoever. 
And that's and that, that's totally fine. We're I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we're going to do our respective ideal off seasons next week. But I guess I, I I'm so. If it, there are there are three paths to this offseason for me, and I, I, I after I've God knows I've thought about this far too many hours. There's the Chris Paul path, there's the Fred Van Fleet path, and then there's the path that I don't really give a fuck what what's on that path because it's not really going to make a difference, you know. And I don't think we're going to we're getting Van Fleet. Chris Paul, maybe we get, and if we and if if Chris Paul is the thing that we get, then obviously the Harford thing is is. I mean, I would have to do some. I think they actually could fit. I think they could actually fit both depending. Well, Randall would have to go out, but would, would you, I'm curious. I have to ask this. I'm just curious. If, would you want to see a Knicks team with featuring Chris Paul and Al Harford next season? <laughs> Two 34 year olds. Is, is Chris Paul 34? I think he's 34. Would that excite you? That might be the worst. Just hearing that might be the worst <laughs> part of my week. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, this was a hell of, of a week. So <laughs> I'm sure I gave a lot of people uh hard power. I, that's that, that's not gonna. I I don't. I and just to be clear, I don't think they're even gonna bark up the Harford tree because I think they're thinking like you are, Jeremy, which is that we don't we're, we have no interest in in um uh, entangling our cap for that long. I just for me from a theoretical perspective, I I just I, I don't know. I think it, it's it makes sense, but yeah, you know, I don't usually get what I want. <laughs> um, do you want to uh, go through, uh, bang out some of these, you know, rumors slash news reports this week, and then, um, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll get out of here. Um, let's see. I'm gonna go from the top down. Um, you know, and you know how I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna go right on the old Nick School Twitter account that JB has started. If you're not following this baby, Nick's Film School is back, uh, or at least the um, Twitter aggregation. Um, uh, what do you call it? Account that uh, became you know quite popular during the the lead up to the summer of 2019. So yeah, go follow Nick School. Um, if you see Kylo Quinn smiling face behind a camcorder, you're in the right place. Um, okay, so Justin Holiday, the Knicks apparently have an interest in. Um, and then Jay Michael, who reports for the for uh, I forget what paper in Indianapolis. Um confirms that they uh, have interest in, in Justin holiday and that uh, this was interesting. Both sides have talked in Indiana um, and it's going, he's going to be a pay. I'm assuming that means holiday has talked to the Pacers or holidays. People have talked to the Pacers um, and says they're, they're his option one. Um, see, this is again, it's, this is so interesting to me because the owner of the Pacers is invested in fucking malls, malls, Jeremy malls. When's the last time you went to a mall? <laughs> Long time. <laughs> it's been a while. while. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I went to the mall this summer. It was uh, not a pleasant experience because it's, it's a mall in a pandemic. Not my favorite place. Um, yeah. You know, again, people say, well, then it should have kept Justin Holiday. Sure. I mean, I guess so. That like, I'm not going to rail against it. That idea. Um, it's also the idea of, well, they Things probably change if they keep Justin Holiday in that they win enough games where they don't have a player like R.J. Barrett or um, maybe they win more games the year before. Although I know people are maybe not as high on Kevin Knox. So uh, I don't know if Justin Holiday's that level of player, but he's, well, he's but, good. But I'm saying he, he contributes enough that just could move the needle to the point where like one or two wins gets you out of different positions. But who knows? Honestly, it, it doesn't matter. It, we're, we're where we're at. Yes. Holiday fits the right type of player. Yes, he does. Um, 
I mean, you know, you want threes, you want defense. It's it's fantastic. He again, like before, Bobby Board has played every single game. Holiday was the last Nick to play. Well, I, I guess you could say Holiday is the last Nick to play a full eighty-two game season, and yes. that's fantastic. Um, it's easy to see why he wouldn't want to leave Indiana. His brother's there. Of course, it's also easy to see why he would want to leave, which is money. And uh, he's moved around quite a bit, so maybe he's more interested in a two-year deal, which, based on what we just talked about, is totally fine. There was some reporting several months ago that said, uh, I think he was actually quoted maybe during his like exit interview or something, um, or his like last last meeting with the media that he's like he's tired of moving around, he wants to find a home. Um, but like, see, this to me is a perfect opportunity for the Knicks to use the cap space that they have, sign this guy to a three-year deal with a small guarantee in the third year, um, a descending deal, um, give him the most money up front and have it decrease by the maximum amount each of the, the next two years. Um, and like, you know, I, I, I dare Indiana to match something like three for, I was going to say like three for 27. That's a little rich. Um, for Justin Holiday, I might give three to 20, three for 20. Cause how, if I'm trying to think how that would work out. So then you'd basically be going 10, nine, eight, right? Around there. Yeah. Or like 10.5 to nine to like 7.5 or something. It's actually, no, you can't, that, that's too, too big a uh, decrease, but whatever, like 10, nine, or, or let's say nine, if it's nine, eight, seven, roughly, Three for twenty-four. I, I bet they might be able to get him for that money. And you know what? I, I pay him. I pay him that amount. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Again, this is a very weak class. If you can get a starting caliber player, do it. You have the money. You can afford to be, you know, to pay a little bit richer than maybe what his value is. Obviously, you want it to be in line with his contract, but it doesn't have to be like, oh my god, I can't believe you paid him one or two, maybe even $3 million more than what he's what he's worth. You have to get him. If the contract's good enough to lure him away, then you got him. And I, I just want to say real quick, and, and I'm not, uh, just, Justin Holiday is, is not as good as, um, oh my God, I forgot Steph Curry's brother. Seth, Seth Curry. I, I can't believe I forget. Their names are so similar. How could I forget? Uh, Justin Holiday is not as good as Seth Curry, but like, the Mavs signed Seth Curry to a four-year deal, and when it happened, I remember looking at that. I'm like, "Oh my god, they went four year four years on this guy," and that's the wrong way to think about it because they, yeah, they went four years on him at a really nice number. Um, yes, Seth Curry was, I think, led the entire league in three point percentage last year, which is somewhat significant. But you know, Justin Holiday is a forty percent three point shooter, um, thirty six percent for his career. So was last year an anomaly? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but he's also moved around a lot. Um, I don't know. He's he's still he's 30 years old. So, you know, you're right right around that age. Uh, I don't think three years will kill you. Um, I would I would do that. Next up. Um, I don't know if you want to spend a lot of time on this because I don't know how are, are you have you gotten obsessed with this draft yet? Or are you still resisting the temptation? You know, every draft to me, it's such a crapshoot that I really admire the people who are able to um voraciously, you know, pick apart these details. Again, Good word. I, I feel like because I enjoy seeing things more from 10,000 miles up that it's more fun to me where it's kind of like, you know, the draft's a crapshoot. I can identify the things that work and that don't work. And there are people that I 
peers and and professionals who I trust in terms of their opinions. So um, I try to do some of the work myself, but really I lean on them to do the dirty work and um, formulate my opinions a little bit more there. So, um, you know, with this draft, there aren't people that I am steadfast in terms of the Knicks have to go after this guy. I'll be crushed if they don't. There's some people that I I don't love, quite frankly, and I the okay. only reason I'd be able to rationalize it uh, is by saying, well, they're potential trade assets, and that works for me. And again, you and I if, will get if into they that come here more. And look good, yeah, right. And we'll get into that more when we do our bigger episode. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at in terms of the draft. Uh, but continue with what you were about to say. I, I was just going to say Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Steve Popper indicated that he is is not near the top of their wish list, which corroborates with what uh, Mark Berman wrote. Well, indirectly corroborates with corroborates what Mark Berman wrote because uh, Berman had, I think it was last week, that uh, Killian Hayes was uh, second in the Knicks board just in terms of point guards. Um, I I had heard that the Knicks had interest in. Let me rephrase that. I had heard that the Knicks were doing their homework on Halliburton um, over this never-ending offseason at some point. I honestly forget when. And the impression that I got it w- was that they. They liked him. And then we also had, well, this was actually contradictory. We had, um, I think it was either, I get them confused, Gavoni or Schmitz. I think it was Gavoni on Wendy's draft preview pod about a week ago say that he thought the Knicks would do backflips if Halliburton made it down to them. I don't think he was reporting that, though, as far as like that's something that he heard. I think he was just kind of assuming um, before he went on to say that he doesn't like Halliburton's fit on a bad team. And it sounds like the Knicks are, are, um, in agreement because as every draft Twitter person has, has, uh, said ad nauseum for, for many, many months, Halliburton is, is not the kind of guy you want on a team that doesn't have, um, an engine somewhere else in, in the lineup. And, um, yeah. So it, it seems like. Um, the Knicks would, I guess, pa- well, not necessarily. It depends who else is there, but it seems like he, the Knicks would pass on him if he was there. Um, I don't think he's a player anybody's trading up for. So, you know, minor, minor bit of news, but it, it's something. Um, what else do we have? Oh, you wanted to talk about the other, uh, Drew Holiday. Could you, I, you mentioned his name in, in our text. Um, just the fact that he's on the market. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't see the Knicks being a target for him, and I oh, love God, no. <laughs> I love Drew Holiday. I think he's a phenomenal player. Same here. Uh, I actually, I really hope the Nets don't get him because I think he would really be one of the pieces that helps um, lets them take another step. Um, but no, if you're the Knicks, it's just it's too premature, and there's going to be a bidding war, and it's going to escalate. Uh, it's just not something that should be appealing. But uh, I guess. In terms of, uh, I don't know if this is on your list or not, but another player that kind of caused some, um, I don't know if uproar is the right word, but th- there was some... Minor, uh, minor. I know where you're going, and it's minor uproar. Yeah, uh, there were some uh, discussions about it. Some unhappy uh, folks. Is Michael Kidd Gilchrist. <laughs> and, um, I, man, I got to say, look, I am not the hu- the biggest fan for Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I'm going to put that out there first and You're foremost. You're not? You're kidding no, me. Not, you don't um, love a guy who shot. Hold on. I'm going to pull up his stats. Right. Take a let's. Uh, we're going to play a game. Michael Kidd Gilchrist was drafted in what year? He was drafted in the Anthony Davis show. So it's 2012. 
Okay. Um, so 2012, that means he's played in the NBA for, uh, one, two, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight total seasons. I want you to guess how many total three pointers Michael Kidd Grillchrist has made in eight seasons. It's not a lot. I know he doesn't, he doesn't shoot it well and doesn't shoot it a lot. So I'm going to say that his eight seasons. Hold on. I want just before you say your answer. Okay. He's played 400, 446 games in the NBA and over 10,000 minutes, 10,000 minutes. <laughs> now, I want you to think about your answer long and hard. How many threes does he have in his career? At threes made. I'm going to say, made. I'm going to say 80. Wow. You're so you're higher than the state of Oregon right now. Well, I guess not yet because they, when do those initiatives take place, by the way, can they get, can they get cooked up today or do they have to wait till like January or something? I'm, you know, I'm really not, I don't think it's immediate, but that's a great question. Um, It is a great question. If anybody out there is listening from Oregon or or knows somebody in Oregon, uh, let us know if they're, you know, uh, shooting up or Jersey. Um, I mean, legally you can't shoot up there, but you can smoke. So (laughs) this this is true. Um, No, you are a bit high. Uh, He's made 28. Uh, three pointers in uh, nearly 11,000 minutes as an NBA player. Sounds Um, bad. Yeah. Well, but you know what I see that I see that as, I see that as an opportunity Opportunity. to buy low. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Way ahead. So, so this is where I'm kind of going with MKG. Uh, Again, I really don't love his game, but I think what people are also losing sight of is the fact that the Knicks defense has also stunk for years. We don't say. Yeah. Last year, the team finished 23rd in defensive rating. And if you're thinking, well, you know, of course, I mean, David Fisdale, how could they not? They finished 21st with Mike Miller. And we all thought like that's an astonishing accomplishment because of everything going on. This team needs players who can defend. They need shooters. They need offense. They need defense. They need everything, maybe except for a center. But again, they, there's a lot that needs to go in here. And, I know that people are very concerned about CAA. Um, First and foremost, Leon Rose is divested. He doesn't make any money from signing CAA players. He is the head of a basketball organization. He's not going to just say to his former, you know, business like, hey, uh, I can sign you guys now. Uh, I'm going to go overboard to the point where um, I don't really care about winning or being cohesive at all. He's not going to do that. If anything, the reason why you sign Michael Kidd Gilchrist is because you say to CAA, hey, we're obviously close. Remember how in that season where Michael Kidd Gilchrist was bought out by the Hornets and didn't do well with the Mavericks and he was looking for something and we dipped into our cap space? Mind you, I'm not talking about a Wayne Ellington type contract, right? I'm saying like three to four million dollars. A I, I was thinking just the vet, the vet minimum. Play. Maybe basically. the vet minimum, sure. Yeah. But, you know, again, you could also, if you have the money left over, kicking a few million as a, hey, CAA, I've got your back. But the whole reason is you're not doing that because you're not expecting, you're not doing that because you just are doing it out of the kindness of your heart or your wallet. You're doing that because you know we looked out for you when times were tough for the little guys. You're going to look out for us with the big guys. And that's what's going to try to happen down the line. And so if you're looking at a season like this, which I don't see as being a great one in terms of the wins and losses, where you still need defense, you need players who can work hard, who will resonate with the locker room. If you can get someone like Michael K. Gilchrist, my reaction is just shrugs. I shrug because it doesn't matter to me. You can get someone to play like 
10 to 15 minutes a game. And you know what? You just don't expect him to shoot. Are you playing four on five on on offense? Probably, but here's the other thing. It also completely ignores the fact that you could be getting other players like a Justin Holiday, like any other free agents out there or in the draft where you're looking at shooters that you could get, you know, like um, a Devin Vassell type or an Isaiah Joe or anyone who is out there who can shoot. If you pair him with other shooters, then his ability to shrink the floor is mitigated quite a lot. So yeah, in a vacuum, I get why people are upset about Michael Kidd, Gilchrist. But in reality, when you look at the other moves that go around it, I really don't give a shit. I I think that that's perfectly phrased. I don't give a shit either. Um, I will say two things. One, the nice part about having um, a roster that you could go up to 15 people with, 17 if you include uh, G-leaguers, and having, what do they have, like essentially six spots like allotted right now? Uh, what, what is it? Uh, RJ... Knox, Frank, DJ, uh, Dennis Jr., Mitchell Robinson, Iggy, and Julius Randle. Seven spots. Did I forget anybody? That's it, right? Um, so basically the opportunity to have to turn over more than half your roster. The nice thing about that is unlike other teams who are, who look, might look at, and, and this is not, Michael Kid Gil, Gil, Gilchrist doesn't deserve this much of a conversation, quite frankly, but just I'm, I want to make the point. Another team might be able to look at a player, whatever the player is, who has a skill set that's an interesting skill set, but like has one glaring fault. They're like, ah, we that's a waste of our money because he can't do this thing. And we may not be able to make up for it elsewhere. As you were just alluding to, the Knicks are in a position where, guess what? They can mold this roster however they want. So um, if there's an opportunity to say, get a Michael Kidd Gilchrist, or ideally maybe a slightly better version of him on board, um, and sign like Myers Leonard to be your stretch five. And again, I don't care that Myers Leonard couldn't get off the bench in the playoffs. The Knicks are not worried about that right now. They're worried about basic competence. And Myers Leonard could actually help you. I digress. Um, like they have that luxury. And the second thing I'm going to say very briefly is that when Michael Kidd Gilchrist has been on the floor um, throughout his career, according to Cleaning the Glass, his teams have um, outperformed like their numbers when he's been off the floor mm-hmm. five uh, other than last year when he basically didn't play um, five out of seven years. And the two years that they were better when he sat, it was like by the literally the slimmest of margins. It was like 1.1 points per hundred and uh, less than one points per point per hundred. And his, and his defensive numbers, as you stated, were, are always, you know, amongst the absolute best in the league. He is, he is a legitimately really, really good defender. Um, so if you could get that guy for, again, whatever, $2.5, million, just I you know, do it. Um, okay. We have, there's the, we could, uh, do you want to talk about Carmelo Anthony? That, that there's a possibility they may sign him, even if they, I don't, I don't know that after this week, I don't know that I have the brain space to do a Carmelo. <laughs> let's, let's end on a pod. Sure. Do you want to say anything about Melo? I'll just say again, I, I just want to see Carmelo flourish on another team. Me that too. Has Contending, and I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. That's a good way to leave it. Um, last but not least, we'll get out of here uh, around the hour mark for us, at least. You're bullshitting for a few minutes. So I bet it'll be an hour for you listening. Um, uh, Mo Harkless. Um, Mo Harkless, it was reported this week that he is, I, I think, Berman said, yeah, the Knicks have no plans to re-sign free agent small forward Mo Harkless. Um 
be careful of dismissing this as bourbon speaking at a turn. That's all I'm going to say. I can't can't really get into it any more than that. But um, if Berman is saying this, I I believe it. Me personally, um, you could do what you want. Um, this sucks. I'm. I hope. I hope this is because he wants to go play for a contender, and this is there. Maybe not. Not that I would like the Knicks operating this way again. Like trying to like create a different narrative in the media. Um, and I hope they're over those days. But like, I don't know. I just it would upset me if they just looked at Mo Harkless like, yeah, we don't want to bring that guy back because I thought they were. Like, there's a reason they didn't skip a beat after they traded the guy who was their best player all year. Um, Harkless was good for them. And I think he's good to play with the young guys. He plays the right way. He makes the right play. Um, you know, he could shoot a little bit. He could he can make you know, interesting passes here and there. Um, he's a decent defender. He's versatile. Yeah, that, I wish I wish they would have. I wish they would kick the tires on bringing him back. But, you know, whatever. I don't know. I, I didn't think he was that great if memory serves for when he started. He doesn't, like st- he doesn't stand out, but that's kind of the thing about Mark because he's not going to stand out. But if you go look at the numbers of him in the lineup and again, small sample size, it was like a dozen games. They played some shitty teams, but like they were scoring points with him in the lineup. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Look, and I know this might run hypocritical because we just talked about Michael Kidd Gilchrist, but Mark Harkless is the type of player where he he's not going to go out of his way to space the floor, especially because uh, there's a financial incentive in his contract to finish above 35%. Oh, yes, a, um, I forgot about that. But the, the difference between him and Kid Gilchrist is obviously he's a better shooter um, and he's a little bit more willing to to shoot, of course. Um, but he's also not going to cost what you're going to get for the price of an MKG. That's true. So, yeah. again, like I, I look at Harkless as the perfect mid-level exception candidate. Um and that's yeah. going to work out great for a team. But if you're the Knicks, you know, maybe that's not the type of person you bring back. Um, there were also conversations about him potentially being bought out shortly after the time he was acquired. Those conversations ended. Uh, I believe that I read he wasn't at training camp. Is that? Yeah, accurate? he was. It was him and Reggie Bullock were the only two players that didn't show up for any of the activities. So either the individual activities, which. I think like Alfred Payton, for instance, uh, showed up for the individual stuff. I want to say, uh, I think Bobby Portis, although Bobby Portis may have been there for the team stuff too. I, I forget. Um, I'm he not, was. He, he was. Okay. I know Julius was there for the team stuff. I know Gibson was there for the team stuff. Um, so yeah, it was him and Bullock that weren't there, but Bullock had an excuse, uh, as I know you've commented on. Um, and it was a good excuse. Um, so yeah, he was the only one who wasn't, who wasn't there. Maybe they, you know, Maybe they saw the writing on the wall. I, I, I don't or, know. Or maybe he did, you know? I mean, maybe yeah, yeah. he thought, I don't want to risk any potential injury. Wait, I don't want to be fair. back. That's totally fair. Uh, I mean, you know, like for Dotson, because I've been under the impression that Dotson's not going to necessarily return. Um, it's interesting that he would, you know, be back, but he's also, I think there's more for him to gain by being at this event versus someone like Harkless, who's been in the league for, what, seven, eight years? And, uh, you know, this is another time for him to cash out. So, again, he's I, I would rather have Justin Holliday than Moe Harkless in this situation. But it doesn't bother me if Harkless isn't back. I just it doesn't bother me. But I, like I, I see what you're saying in terms of like he's know. not a flashy type of player. He's like a very he's a good role player to have. But I think that he's a classic Nick scenario. I think that if you brought him back on a contract that was exactly the same as what he would get 
with the mid-level exception, you would be thrusting him into a role that would be too much for him. And then his value would drop. Whereas if he's going to a team and he's coming off the bench because some team needs help at the wing, like, you know, if he went back to the Blazers or, you know, whatever team might need just some more depth, like, that makes much more sense for them than it does for the Knicks to sign him out of cap space to probably start. It, it just, I'm not, I'm not shedding any tears, but no, I'm it's not. Fu- and that's happy. fine. I it's, just, it's whatever. I just, they're, they are going to need to sign some free agents because you can only bring in so many. I want them to acquire another draft pick. Even if they do, they're still going to have two or three spots. And I ju- I'm just at the point where I'm like morbidly curious who these people are going to be that are going to wind up taking the next money because someone is going to have to. Um, and I just, you know, he struck me as like, okay, fine. If he's one of the guys, great, you know, all the better. And I'm like, I'm kind of running out of. The people that I, I think are realistic possibilities. Um, and may, I don't know. May, look, I'm, I'm sure we're all going to be surprised. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It'll, um, when do you think we are going to get? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. When do you think we are going to get our first, uh, reported trade? Um, Again, trade, uh, the moratorium is probably, we should have said that up front. The moratorium is probably not going to be lifted until November 16th, which is a week from, uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Week from, or no, week from Monday. So when you're a week from Monday, when you're listening to this, do you think we will not get any reported trades until then? Or do you think we're going to get like, you know, a leak, like, you know, this week or something? I, I think we're going to see something on the 16th and I could be totally wrong here, obviously, but something about it just feels like maybe maybe that you know like Woj and shams and whatever uh, maybe they're a little bit more respectful because it is a moratorium that's interesting um, yeah and you know maybe they'll say here's well they'll the leak, be, they'll be team like, players with the nba on this right for sure right. um yeah. so uh, you know it's very possible there are a barrage of tweets that come out shortly after the moratoriums listed you know what um that makes a lot more sense because can i just say why they the nba clearly (laughs) talk about um making it not making an effort to hide it they are clearly looking the other way on the on the i can't even call it tampering because it's like you know it's been reported widely that teams are talking to free agents and deals are already getting done um and like, what is the NBA going to do? Like, oh, no, you can't do that. We got to wait till our three day long offseason officially starts. Like, they're <laughs> not going to do that. And I think, at, at, you know, if Woj goes out and like on, you know, Tuesday or something like breaks a trade, it's 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 not going to look good. And uh, he's a he's a company man uh, for the NBA, if nothing else. So and I think also just for a lot of teams draft night, it makes a lot of sense to announce your trade or have it leaked that night because. Or maybe the day leading up. I, who yeah. knows? But uh, yeah, I, no, that's fine. I just have a hard time seeing it. And I, now that I've probably said it, it will happen, and we'll see. No, all I, sorts I, of I think you're week. right. I actually think you're 100 percent right. I'm wrong on that. My assumption was was wrong. I didn't think it through, um, as I as as I tend not to do. Um, Jeremy, um, we we did it. Made it through another one. We're 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 almost we're there. We're there. I said a month ago. I'm like I we're I could see the light. Can almost the taste it. Right. It's yeah. right here. It's right here. Um, I'm excited. I know you're excited as much. We're both fucking exhausted, but we're we're both excited. Um, oh, wait, wait, we can't go yet. You know why? Right. We almost forgot. And actually, I have one more thing I want to say. But before I get to it, um, 
A very quick word. A very, very quick word from our friends. You know who our friends are, right, Jeremy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our friends at my bookie. Um, here's the thing about my bookie. We are now halfway through the NFL season almost. Your time is running out to get in on all of the great stuff that my bookie has going on. It's NFL, it's late college ball, it's uh UFC. Um get some skin in the game with my bookie. The odds boost, lightning deals, free bets. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there's really no better time to feast on some NFL action. I mean, come on. You're probably not going to be doing a big Thanksgiving this year. We just actually discussed it today. It's probably just going to be me, my wife and, and our daughter um, and our and our unborn uh, child, um, which I'm personally excited about because I'm going to like do something funky with, with the food. Um, but anyway, like how great would it be if you do a parlay for the three NFL games? Like that's about the most interesting thing your, your Thanksgiving is going to have. Um, whether you're a first time customer or been playing my bookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, prop bets and contests they offer every week. Uh, sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, get paid. Um, also a fully fledged casino platform. Huh? How about that? Giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is my bookie, the doors never close, so you you could stay up all night long. Um, Fantastic stuff. Make the right play. Sign up today at my bookie, and when you do, use promo code OVERTIME to get your deposit matched halfway, uh, all the way up to a 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. Uh, you put in $200, they'll match you with another 100 in your account. So it's a halfway match. So that's pretty good. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. Again, the promo code is OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. It's winning season in my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. <sighs> okay. Jeremy, thank you for everything. Of course. You're the best. And one more thing before I go. Uh, to everybody out there, um, I, I should have probably said this up front, but I, I, I'll save the best for last, for me at least, who signed up for uh, the newsletter this week and uh, committed your the hard-earned dollars um, to read words that I write, um, you should seek help. And I can't believe you did that. And I, I just, it's astounding to me. Um, but I thank you. And I appreciate you. And I, I mean this when I say it. Uh, I love each and every one of you um, because you keep me going and you make it so that I feel like um, my existence on this planet, aside from being a halfway decent husband and father, um, is purposeful. And uh, that means uh, really does mean more to me than than I could possibly express. So thank you, everybody, for for signing up. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, go rate us, go review us, go uh, subscribe, go do whatever it is you're supposed to do with with podcasts. We appreciate it. And uh, we will be back soon with another episode. Giddy up. Giddy up.